We've been in a, on this journey during the Lenten season. We've been kind of moving our way through the garden of, of good and evil. And behind me, we've created this garden space to kind of uh, visually, aesthetically place us in this moment so that we could kind of see and, and maybe experience a little bit about um, Adam and Eve and, and what they experienced as they were in the garden. We've been looking all throughout this journey that, that they had to deal with the sin of doubt, that they had to deal with, you know, the sin of discouragement, and they've had to deal with um, all sorts of the, the sin of distortion and distractions. And, and, and we've been just really wrestling with this. Uh, helping us to understand why we needed a Savior and why we need a Savior today. So today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about uh, truth. And, and the truth is, is that uh, the decisions that you and I make every day in our life are going to inform some step of our life. So think about that. Think about the decisions you've made in your life, whether they were relational decisions whether it was, you know, like, I want to marry that person or I want to be in a covenantal relationship with that person or, or I want that person to be my friend or, or, or whatever the case is, that the decision that you made that day has an impact on your life. We also know that sometimes the decisions that we make, whether they're positive or negative, those have an effect on our lives as well. So my guess is that based upon the decisions that you and I make every day, not only do they affect us, but they affect other people. Would you agree with that? So, so we can legitimately say that, that basically, in some way, our decisions that we've made have affected us or others for better or for worse. I was thinking the other day, I was sitting, uh, coming through a signal light there at Missouri and um, in East Bay. Those of you that are from here, you know the intersection I'm talking about, very busy. And as I'm coming through that intersection, the light goes from green to yellow. That ever happened to anybody? Yeah, so you have a decision to make, right? So, you know, whether you're 50 yards away from the light or whether you're like on top of it, you have a decision to make. And I was in a hurry and I decided I need to go ahead and just punch it and get through that light because, I, guys, I was only like 20 feet away, okay? So, so I, you know, I need to do that. But, but as I made that decision on the other side of the road was a Largo Police Department officer getting ready to make a turn. Well, he or she, maybe it was pastor day, I don't know, they, they, they didn't follow me, so I was good. So I made a decision for that. You know, sometimes, you know, we make decisions about whether we should buy the latest thing. And, and if, our, if we're counting our coins every month, that latest thing could put us in a situation where maybe we can't pay our rent or we can't pay a utility bill. So we have to be careful with the decision that we make. You know, maybe, maybe you found yourself going out on a date with someone you know is a real jerk, Okay. And, and you know they're a jerk, and, and there's no reason at all you should be going out on a date with this person. But you're thinking in the back of your mind, I can change them. I can make them be a better and different person. And then you live with the decision that comes with that. You know, some, some people that, that we know, um, the decisions came, you know, what would life have been like had their mother not picked up the vodka bottle every day? What would their life have been like had dad not run off with the girlfriend that he had in high school? now that he has a family and a, and a different wife. And so, so those decisions inform us, and, and those decisions say a lot about who we are and, and a lot that comes true with that. You know, some of you aren't gonna like this next statement, but, but I want you to hang with me, and I want you to process it and take it all in. And that is, is that you are where you are today for the most part because of the decisions that you make. So you're the person you are today because of decisions that you've made in your past. 
You are the person today because of decisions you made just a few minutes ago. You will be the person today based upon even decisions you make later on today or tomorrow, and that will inform you of the kind of person that you might be in the future. And the bottom line is, at the end of the day, you're responsible for you, and I'm responsible for me. Now, we can have some shared responsibility together as brothers and sisters in Christ, amen, but at the end of the day, I can't force you to make decisions. You can't force me to make decisions. We make our own decisions, and those decisions inform us to be the kind of person that we are. Well, that's the kind of stuff we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, Adam and Eve. We've been talking about how they made the decision to follow the voice of a deceptive person, the serpent. And we realize that, that the serpent coaxed them and helped them to, to be tricked into thinking that God didn't care about them, God didn't love them, God didn't have his best out for them, that, that, that God just wanted to put it all away and, and, and you know, not care about them at all. And they believed that, they bought into that, and they were deceived into making decisions that changed not only their life, but changed our life as well. This last week, I was going back through the scriptures, and I was looking at other examples. There's lots of them, but I was looking at a couple of examples of how people had made decisions that were not very good decisions. I, I start off in Genesis chapter 19. We learn about Lot and his family. Now, they're living in a town that's not a really good town. It's not a, a town that, that has a great reputation, and, and God sends a couple of angels to Lot and his family, and he says, you need to leave the town, okay? You need to get out of there. You need to listen to what we're saying. And specifically, what it says is run for your life. Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere on the plane. Run for the hills or you'll be swept away. So the angels are saying, you need to do something. And so Lot picks up his family and they run out of town like they're instructed. But then on their way out of town, his wife stops and looks back. And it says that she's turned into a pillar of salt. Not a good decision. We look also in, in the book of Jonah. Jonah is one of the prophetic books. And, and what we find out in, in the book of Jonah is an interesting story where, where God says to Jonah, I want you to go speak a specific message to the people of Nineveh. And as you speak that message to them, this is what I want you to say, okay? So what does the scripture say? <clears throat> he said, go to the great city of Nineveh. God is speaking to Jonah. Preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Well, instead of doing what God said, Jonah decides he's going to do the opposite. And he runs the other way, and he gets on a ship headed for another city called Tarshish. And while he's on this ship, a raging storm comes, and the waves are just banging up against the ship, rocking it back and forth. And the vessel is about to break apart, and Jonah realizes, I'm the problem. I didn't listen to God. And so he gets thrown overboard, and as the story tells us, he's swallowed up by a large fish. And he spends time in the belly of a fish, and he's praying, and he's contemplating, and he's confessing. And he says, God, you know, I, I want to change my way. I'm sorry that I'm disobedient. And Jonah's life turns into a different direction. Numbers 20. Here's, here's another great story. Moses, probably one of the, the greatest leaders that we see in the scriptures, Moses. I love Moses. Moses is kind of one of those guys that, <clears throat> you know, never really believed in himself, um, had all the excuses why he couldn't do what God wanted him to do, but yet he was faithful and he listened and he did what God, God just said, Moses, I'm calling you and I'm equipping you to go free my people from the captivity of the Egyptians. 
And, and so Moses goes and he does that. And, and he goes and he releases, he leads, he leads God's people, the Hebrews, out of Egypt. He crosses over the, the Red Sea and, and he leads them into the wilderness. And I love what the scriptures say. It tells us that while God's people were in the wilderness, their shoes never wore out or their sandals didn't. And their clothes didn't wear out and they had food. It was called manna. So God provided them. And Moses kept saying, God's going to take care of us. No matter what you think, no matter how bad things might be, God's going to take care of us. And so now all of a sudden, the people are grumbling. You know, as a leader, I get that. I understand. You know, sometimes as leaders, when things are going well and when people are happy and excited, nobody grumbles against you. They love you. They, they give you high fives and everything. And the minute as a leader that you're having to do something difficult or stressful with the people... Like in this story, people can turn on you. And so they turn on Moses, and they turn on him in a dime. And Moses is frustrated. He doesn't know what to do. And, and he's like, God, you know, they, they need water. They need water for themselves. They need water for their cattle. And God says, Moses, come talk to me. And, Moses, and God says to Moses, take the staff, and then you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. So gather all the people together. Speak to the rock. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. So Moses just has to say a few words to the rock, and God says it's going to pour out all this water. You will bring water <coughs> out of the rock for the whole community so that they and their livestock can drink. Moses brings the people. <coughs> he brings them to the rock. He's got his staff, but then something happens. Have you ever been frustrated? Have you ever been, like, pushed to your limit? Have you ever... <clears throat> had somebody just like, you know, nag and nag and nag and nag on you all so much that you're just fed up with it? Well, Moses, instead of speaking to the rock, he takes his staff and he whacks it twice. Now think about, was he, was he frustrated? What was that? But because he did that, because he didn't do what God said, God said, speak to the rock, don't whack it. And he whacks it. And God says, Moses, I'm going to produce water because I made the promise but you're not going to lead the people into the promised land. And, but, but, but let me tell you about God's grace. Let me tell you about God's love. Even though Moses' disobedience caused him not to go into the promised land with God's people, what the original plan was, God loved Moses so much that he took him up to a high place and he said, I want to show you the land. I want you to see it. At least you can see it. And God buries Moses in his prime. And the scriptures tell us that the, that the lights of life had not gone out yet in Moses' eyes. But yet he dies. And the torch is passed to Joshua. But why am I, why am I sharing these stories with you? There's, there's more. I mean, these are just three. I mean, there's more. Why am I sharing these stories with you? Because today, it's about the sin of disobedience. Say disobedience. <clears throat> yeah, that's a word that has a lot of definitions. But today, what, what we want to work on is disobedience is defined as, as a refusal or a failure to obey something or someone. It's a refusal or, or, um, it's a refusal or deniability, uh, failure to obey a law or some kind of act or some kind of thought or direction or directive that's given. And so disobedience is what sets in. Adam and Eve were disobedient. It began in the beginning. And, and you know, when we, you and I step back and we go like, well, why have I been disobedient? And in those moments in my life, and I'm sure we've all been disobedient, that we ask the question, well, when I was disobedient, why did I do that? Well, this is why. Because sin entered into the world. 
We've been talking about this garden. We've been talking about all these sins. We've been talking today about the sin of disobedience. The tree of knowledge of of good and evil was an enticement. It was something that drew Adam and Eve into it. Even though God said you can have everything, this is the one tree you cannot eat from its fruit. Don't eat it or you will die. And yet the one thing they couldn't have, even though God had blessed them with everything else, the one thing they make the decision and they're disobedient. You see, I, I, think it, I think it represents a choice. It's a choice that we have. We can choose to listen to God. We can choose to be obedient to God. We can choose to be obedient to our parents and our friends and our pastors or whomever else is in our life. Or we can choose the opposite. We can choose not to trust God. We can choose to live in fear. We can choose to say, you know, I'm not sure I'm willing to take that risk or I don't have the faith, whatever causes and concerns that come. Those are all choices that are there. But the minute we step out of the, I'm in the God column, I'm all in God, I'm following you, the minute we move in and out of that, it's it's a level of disobedience. Listen, we all have it. I have it. I know you have it. We all have it. And so the question becomes, what do we do with that? You know, think about it, you know, as a parent. Those of you who have had children, or maybe you have grandchildren now, or, or maybe you know friends that have had children. You know, when you tell a child, don't do something, what usually happens? They do it. You know, like the proverbial, don't touch the stove, it's too hot. And then they're like, ah, you know, they, they, they do that. So, so we find out, you know, sometimes it's that enticement. We know what's right. We know the direction where to go but something's making us not hear God. Something's not helping us to sense what we are to do. Years ago, when Patty's grandparents were alive, they lived over in Lacanto, which is outside of Crystal River, Florida. Um, their names are Thelma and Orville. Folks, think about that for a second. Thelma and Orville. I mean, these are salt of the earth, you know, Floridians. I mean, her grandfather grew up in North Georgia, but then they moved to Florida a long time. And Granny and Gramps, we would go see them. And I remember one of the last visits that we had, we were all sitting in the living room, and Granny was there, Gramps was there, Patty was there, and I was there. And Gr- Granny was a talker, okay? But she talked all the time. And she's constantly talking and talking. And, and, and now all of a sudden, she's upset at Gramps because he's not responding to what she's saying. Okay? Follow me? So she's like, well, that Orville this, and that Orville that, and he did this, and that Orville that, and finally she just got up, and she started to walk out, and she said, well, he's not, Orville, you're not listening to me. I might as well not even be here, and she walks out of the room, and Gramps turns to us with his smile. I heard every word. I was just ignoring her. You know, after 60 years of marriage, disobedience. And so that's what happens to us. You know, we're in this relationship with each other, and we're in this relationship with God. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, it represents our choice to live apart from God. It represents our choice and our desire to want to rely on ourself rather than on God's power. It it represents our striving, our yearning to want to be perfect, even more perfect than God, even though God is the only one who's perfect. But we don't see, when we're out of disobedience, our imperfections. And God says, don't eat from the fruit. You see, in the end, you and I only have limited power. We only have so much power in our lungs that we can blow up a balloon. God has the power 
to expand the universe. It's a big difference. And so we're called to tap into God's power. Our identity is not meant to be for ourselves, and for many it is, and that's why some people struggle. What is God's will? What is my will? What's the right thing to do? What's the wrong thing to do? Are we pursuing the will of God? Are we pursuing the love of God? Are we pursuing the kingdom of God? And whenever we're pursuing our own thought and our own desire because it makes us feel good or because it's what we want, we can be out of covenant with God. Adam and Eve are a great example of that. They decided to pursue something other than what would bring glory to God. And we saw the fall of sin. So ego is the word. Ego means edging God out, okay? So that's what ego means. It leads to pride, and pride leads to our demise. The scripture says, pride comes before the fall. And if you've ever known someone who's prideful, then you know it's not gonna be long after their pride that they're going to commit something that's gonna chop them at the knees, and something's going to cause them to fall. When we're prideful, we think our way is better than God's way. It seems good at the time, but, but we know it doesn't end well. We choose the short term rather than look at the long term. We make decisions for our families at home because of the whims of today, not thinking about what will happen tomorrow if we don't make a better choice or a better decision. And God leads us in the direction for the plans. But here, here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. You can have a choice to go it alone or you can choose to live as God created you to live. And that's in the intimate relationship and partnership with God together. That's the choice we have. We can live out of, out of relationship with each other, out of relationship with God, or we can live in relationship. This is where the tree of life comes in. The tree of life represents love and trust and the question becomes, would Adam and Eve go the distance and trust in that enough to not be tempted to move away as the serpent called them to do? And would they have a significance and would they have a purpose in their identity? If they had only followed God, if they had only listened to God, if they had not been deceived that, that, that God wasn't good and that God didn't love them, if they would have only trusted and the very reason that they were created, they had a choice to make. Would they rely on God for their very own survival, or what would they do? You see, Jesus rode into Jerusalem. He rode into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday. He rides in, and, and, and Jesus knows what's awaiting. He knows that it's not going to be a good situation. He knows that there's, <coughs> that there's nothing but death and shame and torture and ridicule and all that. He knows as a leader every good thing that he's done. The minute he goes into Jerusalem, all those stories are going to be changed. No one's going to remember anything good that he did, and yet he was willing to go to the cross anyway. Jesus chose to obey God. Jesus said, I know it's not going to end well, but, but to be disobedient has a bigger price than what I'm thinking my obedience will do. And so he rides in, ultimately, for our sacrifice. It's true. Your decisions today, or your decisions of your past, have made you the person you are today. The decisions you make today 
It will help you be the person that you are in your future. You're where you are for the most part because of the decisions that you've made. Regardless of how things worked out, good or bad, your decisions are who you are. Adam and Eve made their choice, and it was the wrong choice. And so what happened was that they, they got all excited about the shiny object, the thing that they were told that they had to have, they had to hold on to, they had to covet. They couldn't let this go. They had to have it. It was shiny. It sparkled. And so that's the choice that we have. We have a choice in life to, to choose from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or we can choose from the tree of life, okay? And we have to make a choice. Now listen to me. All you got to do is don't follow the shiny thing but focus on the one thing, the tree of life. Because it's the tree of life where we are in love with God and God is with us. Imagine what would have happened had they pursued that. You and I need to. Let's pray. God, God of wonder, God of majesty, we stand before you in awe of your holiness and presence. Lord God, we want to choose life. We want to trust you. We want to love you. We want to obey you. Help us to instill those values in our kids, in our friends, in our loved ones, in our families. May our communities be overwhelmed by your grace and generosity that we choose to serve and love a God of life rain your blessings upon us in the season of Lent. In Jesus' name, amen.